Well, in case you haven't heard, he is risen. He is risen. We are here to celebrate the most important moment in human history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I am so excited to be here this morning to celebrate it with you. If you're joining us online, welcome. We're glad that you are here uh, as well. Guys, it is good news that Jesus is alive. It is good news that Jesus is alive. And that is a news that we get to share with the world. Guys, I am, I am just so, so, so excited about this morning. If I could get that screen to show my notes instead of that slide, I would appreciate it. We're going to stand and read the scripture together, guys. Come on, stand with me. And we're going to hope that this works. All right, this is not working, so, oh, there we go. All right, read it faster. Here we go. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay my life down for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And one more. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is provided for us, Lord, that your word is alive and it is active today. I pray, Lord, that you would, that you would speak clearly today. I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be open to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. 
I do not frequent concerts. I am not a avid concert goer, but this week I actually went to two concerts this past week. The first was on Wednesday night. It was a John Mayer concert. And, uh, and the second was a Chris Tomlin concert uh, uh, on, on Friday. I won't tell you which one I enjoyed more, but uh, I, uh, I did go to two concerts this week. And uh, at the Friday concert, at the, at the Chris Tomlin uh, concert, I was there, and the Chris Tomlin concert was actually a Good Friday concert uh, that I guess Nashville's been doing for, for, for uh, a few years, but then the pandemic hit. And so the people who attended that concert had been holding on to their tickets for a couple of years. Uh, and so it was amazing to see all of the people show out after all of this time had passed uh, for them to show out and be a part of this, of this worship concert. But still, as I was sitting there uh, uh, and looking around, I noticed that there were chairs, blocks of chairs, uh, that didn't have any bodies in them on Friday. And so I wondered to myself why that was, and it wasn't so much because the seats were not sold. In fact, it actually was an almost sold out, uh, sold out concert. But the reason that people were not there was because, question mark. It wasn't because they didn't buy their tickets. It wasn't because they didn't have access to the venue. It wasn't because some horrific event had happened the night of. I mean, it was a glorious night. It felt good outside, but something happened. Something caused them not to utilize the access they had in their hand to go to the concert on Friday night. I wonder how many of us don't utilize the access we have to the Father that we've been given because something in our life happened. Something happened, something changed, something shifted. Today, all around the globe and churches everywhere, people are gathering to celebrate what I believe to be the most significant moment in human history, which is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there are a myriad of reasons why people would choose to come and occupy the seats in churches for the most part, I would surmise that many of you, this is a regular routine. It's an extraordinary Sunday because of what we celebrate, but you're here every Sunday. And so this is just part of your, it's part of your routine and you're excited to be here. For others, you're here because it is Easter Sunday and you don't frequent church, but you come on this particular day because it seems to be the right thing to do because of maybe the, the connotation or the attachment to the, to the truth that Jesus rose from the dead. Others of you are here because mom and dad asked you to. Uh, some of you are here because your spouse asked you to come and you decided to come. Uh, and, and some of you may have wandered off the streets. I don't know, but, but we all have different reasons why, uh, why we're here on this, uh, this particular, particular mo- morning. But I want to talk to the demographic in the room who would say, I believe. And I believe that, that a majority of those in this room would say, you know, I, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe this, this story uh, that we read in scripture. And I, and I believe that, that he said who, uh, who he was. He was who he said he was. And I, and I, and I believe that. I want to I speak to you for a moment here. And I want, you to, I want you to take your mind back to that moment when he grabbed your heart. I want you to take your mind 
back to that moment when you said, I surrender. I want you to take your mind back to the moment when he said to you, follow me, and you said, I will. I want you to, to transport your mind back to that, to that moment in, in time, if you're, if you're a believer in this room. I believe that we all uh, who profess to believe in Jesus Christ have had such a moment. And if you're anything like me, I remember when I gave my heart to Jesus, uh, I w- it was in 1992, I gave my heart to Jesus. I asked Jesus in my heart, boy, I was, I was so zealous for the Lord. I was zealous for the Lord. I was excited about the Lord. I wanted to tell everyone about Jesus because Jesus had saved my life. I was excited. I was, I was wonder-filled. I, I, I had an exuberance about me. And then life happened. And all of a sudden, things started to shift. And it wasn't that anything changed about my salvation. It wasn't that anything changed about him. But something happened in the interim that I stepped back. And that exuberance and that excitement and that zeal for the one I call my Lord began to subside and I began to just kind of settle in. I began to accept things as they were, even though I didn't have to accept things as they were. Can anybody relate to that this morning? Today, we're gonna talk just a moment briefly. I don't plan to be up here very long. We're gonna talk about a man uh, that many of us know, or, or maybe you've heard of, if you've, if you, if you've heard any Bible stories, you, you may have heard of it. We're going to talk about a man named, named Peter for, for a few moments here. Peter is arguably one of the most outspoken of Jesus's followers. And that's mainly because Peter tends to put himself in the center of the story. You got any people in your life that make themselves the center of attention? Peter tends to jump into the center of the things going on. And so we hear a lot about about Peter's life and and we learn about Peter's characteristics. You know, you can really hide your flaws when you're not in the center of attention. But when you get out into the center, everything's illuminated. Good, right, wrong, everything in between. But Peter is one of Jesus's closest followers and he's extremely outspoken. Some would say he's almost abrasive in his, in his nature, that he, that he speaks just what he thinks, and he, and he, and he just goes there, and, 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 and he's willing to, to jump out in front, of, in front of things. And he seems to be this center of attention. When Peter arrives on the scene, it's because Jesus sees him as a fisherman, and he says, come and follow me. And Peter says, okay, I will. And so he gives up his trade of fishing and he begins to follow Jesus, not understanding that it was gonna be an invitation that changed his life. And so he follows Jesus and perhaps maybe you're more familiar with the story where Jesus is walking on the water and Peter is in the boat with the disciples and the disciples think it's a, it's a ghost. And Peter yells out to Jesus and he says, if it's really you, bid me come and walk on the water. And Jesus says, come. And Peter is the one who is bold enough to take his foot and step out of the boat and step on the water. Peter was the one who was enlightened and and the Lord, God spoke to him and revealed to him that this is the son of God. He was the one to call Jesus the Messiah, the the son of God. And, And Jesus replies, 
commending Peter and saying, it is on you. Peter means rock, the rock with which I'm going to build my church. Peter was also one of the three caught up with Jesus when he was with Elijah and Moses in the cloud. And Peter says, it's really good for us to be here. Should we set up a shelter for you and Elijah and Moses? And in the middle of his, middle of his talking, God interrupts him and says, this is my son, Jesus, with whom I'm really, really pleased. Peter was a part of some significant moments of, in Jesus's story. And I believe that Peter was zealous for the Lord. I believe he had the t-shirt. I believe that he was all in. Some of us need a friend who is all in at times, don't we? That come what may, he was the ride and die for Jesus. He was one of Jesus' most loyal followers. And so it comes to this point where they're gathered at the table Jesus is passing out the bread and the wine, and he's just moments away from being betrayed and starting his journey toward the cross. And Jesus says something to all of the disciples. He says, all of you are going to fall away. And I want you to understand that that is a significant statement. And we know that all of them had to have had some crevice of doubt, because if they knew that he was going to rise from the dead three days later, if they knew when and how, don't you think they would have all spent the night at the tomb those three days? But when he died, there had to be something inside them that questioned, that, that doubted, that wondered, what are we to do now? This Jesus we've walked with is, is dead. And so, he says, all of you are going to fall away. All of you are going to fall away. And Peter says to Jesus, he says, I will lay my life down for you. Guys, I believe that when we ask Jesus in our heart for the very first time, when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of our life, this type of zeal comes about us that we are the first to say, I will lay my life down for you. Did Peter mean that when he said that? I believe so. I believe he meant every word of it in the moment. But don't you know that circumstances in life happen? Don't you know that things come upon your path and where you had such intention to do one thing in one moment, something changes and you do another in the next. And so Peter says, I will lay my life down for you. And Jesus says to him, will you really lay your life down for me, Peter? Will you really lay your life down? In fact, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. You see, what happens in our life so often is an event, some type of event or some type of thing happens in our life and what it creates is shame. It creates something in our life that says, I need to distance myself from this relationship. I need to create a distance because I am walking in shame from the thing that I have done. And we all know the story. Peter goes out and he denies Jesus, not once, not twice, 
but three times. This valiant warrior, this loyal follower of Jesus denies him three times. We tend to look at Peter and we tend to condemn him with judgment on his denial of Christ when so many of us wear the same shoes. When so many of us walk in the same shoes at the same time. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans chapter three that all have sinned. Who is all? All. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us, every one of us have turned our back on this God. Every one of us have experienced in some shape or form this moment that Peter experienced. Several years ago, I was, uh, I was driving from the school to go to my house. And uh, I go through, and uh, in order to get to my house, I have to pass through Smyrna High School. And Smyrna High School was having a dismissal that afternoon, and there were policemen out there. And I happened to be going a little bit faster than I should have through that school zone, and the blue light special showed up behind me. He pulled me over, and I was just so embarrassed. Who's going to see me in this school zone? The headmaster of another school being pulled over in a school zone of a school. Please quickly give me my ticket. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And so I get my ticket, and I drive home. And it was a few days later, and it came time for me to pay my ticket. Well, overcome by my shame and not wanting to be seen in my embarrassment, I decided I was going to mail in my check to pay this ticket. And so I make out the check to the Smyrna Police Department, and I put it in an envelope at my office. And the envelope I chose to use in my office was one that said Lancaster Christian Academy. (laughs) So I put the check in there, sealed it, sent it off, and thought, I'm done with this. Two days later, the front office gets a phone call. We're looking for Kevin O'Day. Kevin O'Day? Yes, uh, he's not here right now. Kevin O'Day sent us a check that he did not sign. And we just want, he, he sent us a check because he was speeding in a school zone at Smyrna High School. And he owes us this money. Oh, okay. Mr. O'Day? There is somebody online too for you because you did not sign the check that you meant to sign paying for your speeding ticket over at Smyrna High School. The entire staff knew. I canceled my meetings that afternoon and went home because I was so full of shame. I didn't want to face anybody because I was so embarrassed. How could a principal do that? So what have we learned here today? Your pastor goes to John Mayer concerts and speeds getting there. I just want to make it easy for you to decide whether or not this is the church for you. Shame creates distance. Shame creates distance. Peter, do you know this Jesus? No. Peter, do you know the one they're going to to crucify? No. Surely you're one of his disciples, his followers. I don't know this man. 
and then the rooster crows. Sometimes we need a rooster in our life to wake us up. Sometimes we need a rooster in our life to wake us up. And so Peter is there and he's confronted. And then this happens. Then the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. I want you to understand here, friends, that Jesus allowed Peter to feel. Jesus allowed Peter to feel what had happened. When he denied him on the third time, the rooster crowed and Jesus looked straight at Peter. Guys, we tend to numb our feelings. We tend to find ways that we don't have to confront the feelings that come, the unpleasant feelings that come with shame when we do something wrong. And if we don't have to feel it, we don't have to do anything about it. If we don't have to feel it, we don't have to change it. If we don't have to feel it, we don't have to address it. And if it's very dangerous because if we don't have to feel it, then we don't have a need for Jesus. I want to dispel this notion that God wants you to be completely absent and out of touch of your feelings. He uses our feelings. He uses them. The conviction that you have when you're walking in ways that are not right isn't so that he can smack you down and splat you like a bug. It is because he knows that there's something so much better for you. And so, Peter feels this. And then it says, Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Why? Because he was allowed to feel. And because he felt what the Lord said to him, because he felt the betrayal that he had committed, he felt that he remembered what he had done. And the Lord said, before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And sure enough, He did it, and then the Bible says this, and he went outside and he wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. The separation that shame creates, that gap between him and Jesus was filled in three powerful words. It is finished. It is finished. And I want you to know today that while Jesus was hanging on the cross, there for you, there for Peter, there for John, there for me, while he was hanging on that cross, when the words, it is finished, came out of his mouth, the words, it is finished, spoke to the assignment that he had from Father God. It did not speak to his relationship with you. It spoke to his assignment from God. His assignment from God was finished, but his relationship with you was just getting started. The only thing left for him to do was to raise himself from the dead. I love this part of the story. I love this part of the story. The resurrection is actually not my top. It's not my top favorite part of this. My top favorite part 
is that he rose from the dead and he took care of unfinished business. It would have, people listen, it would have been enough for him to roll the stone away and ascend right up to heaven. He did everything God told him to do. He told all of the disciples, he he shared with them, this is, I am the way, I'm the truth, I am the life. All of these things, he equipped them. He did everything and he finished the assignment. And all he needed to do was roll the stone away, have a few people there to see it and say, I'm out of here going to the right hand of the Father. But he didn't. He didn't. This, it is finished at the cross, paved the way for him to take care of the unfinished business of our lives, of our lives. His assignment was death, but his purpose was to bring us life. Guys, the resurrection is the gateway to restoration. The resurrection is the gateway to resurrection, to restoration. The resurrection is the gateway to restoration. The distance of shame has no place on this side of the resurrection. The distance, the gap, it is closed. And in Romans 1.16, we read, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of of God. It's not the power of Kevin. It's not the power of Barbie. It's not the power of Sherry or Jeremy. It is the power of God. You do not have to be ashamed of the good news because of your past mistakes. You do not have to be ashamed of what Jesus has done in your life because you have so messed up. It was not a prerequisite. Jesus died on the cross and rose again based on his own strength and power. And so when when Jeremy was up here and he says it was easy as believing, you better bet you, he made the pathway as clear and easy as believing him. We tend to live in this place in between the it is finished on the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. We tend to live in, in the Saturday because I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe I'm washed by the blood. I believe I'm a Christian, but I'm not good enough to access the power that comes with the resurrection. I'm not good enough. I've done this. You don't understand what it is that I've done. I woke up this morning and I got all of my stuff gathered and I put it in my car. It was early before the sun came up and I was so excited about getting here. I got in my car and I go to start my car and I didn't have my key. I could have just sat there in my car. Could have just called Barbie and said, hey, listen, I'm in my car and this is the best I'm going to be able to do today. And it would have been so right for her had I called her to say, well, don't you have a key? And I would have said, yes, I just, I just don't want to go grab it. If you grab the key and you bring it to your car, you could turn on the car and you could actually go somewhere and do something. I want you to understand that He has given you access to the power of the resurrection. He has given you access to do something with your life. Not you do something with your life, but for you to be a better version of yourself than you could ever imagine because of His power in your life. So this tomb is rolled away and the angel appears and says, don't be ashamed, he said. 
you are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who is crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. And then he says this, but go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. In the book of Mark, there are two very special words in this passage. And those special words are, and Peter. Go tell the disciples, and Peter. Why did he need to say, and Peter? Wasn't he one of the disciples? Why tell the disciples, and Peter? Because shame created a distance. And Jesus said, I'm not done. I'm not done. I've got some unfinished business with this Peter because I've got a church that I'm going to build upon his obedience to me. Peter is not the sum of his past mistakes. He's got a future and a destiny that I proclaimed over him. Go get those disciples and Peter. Go get those. And guys, I'm telling you today, he's saying, go tell the disciples and Kevin. Go tell the disciples and Hal. Go tell the disciples and Vonda. Go tell the disciples and Dana. I'm telling you, this God knows your name. He knows your name. He knows your name. Some of you have allowed the moment of shame to create a chasm, a distance between you and Jesus. You believe in Him. That's not the issue. You believe He is who He said He was. And at one point, you were ready to cut off the ear like Peter was. You were a warrior for him, but you have so backstepped because you're saying to yourself, I can't believe that God would love me because I did this, because I said this, because I went here. And so I'm just gonna parade around. And you know that, that, that veil that uh, Barbie talked about that was torn in two? We try to take it, we try to hold it up and put ourselves behind it because we want to be separated from God. We are in so much shame but He came to restore you. He came to say the truth about who you are. Peter's mistake did not get to define his story, nor do your mistakes define yours. Jesus has a purpose and a plan. Some of you in this room have questioned, how could this God love me? And you've become numb. You've allowed yourself not to feel what's going on inside. Maybe you've self-medicated. Maybe you're running to all these different vices. Maybe you're running away to these things that you think are going to fulfill that hole, but they don't. And so you continue to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And I'm here to tell you because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, He here has the answer. He here has the solution. He here has the power. And today it is available to you. Not because you're so good. Not because I'm so good. Not because of anybody here. Because every single human in this room needs the power of this resurrected body. Jesus, Jesus, Romans chapter eight. Where's my table? They have moved my table. I will tell you real quick. I told you I was at a concert the other day and I brought my kids, not to the John Mayer concert, but to the Chris Tomlin concert. <laughs> my kids were just being kids. They were on the chairs. They fell a few times off the chairs. They dropped things. They were making noise. Of course, in the quietest moments, they were the loudest, all of these things going on. And Ruby happened to have a tub of popcorn 
because that's what you do at a worship concert. You buy popcorn. And so she had a tub of popcorn and she's just shoveling in her mouth. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, she drops this bucket and it spills everywhere. And of course we wouldn't be like, you know, hidden up in the, we had to be in the back row of the middle of the floor so everybody could see what was going on. And so she spills it. She looks at me, she says, I'm sorry, daddy. I'm sorry, daddy. I'm sorry, daddy. And I give her the look, you know, the look. I give her the look. And so she steps back and I kneel down and I start to clean up copious amounts of popcorn. And Ruby's saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And she tries to help me. I say, no, sit down. And she watches me clean up all of the popcorn. And so I pick up the popcorn and I set it at the chair next to me. I stand up and he goes into, he's a good, good father is the song. And I look down at Ruby and Ruby is there and I see the back of her head and she's just sitting there. Her head is low. It's probably the most still she's been all night. And she has big alligator tears because she has disappointed her daddy. And so I looked at her, I picked her up, I looked at her, I swooped her her in my arms and I looked at her eyeball to eyeball with those big glassy eyes filled with water. And I said, Ruby, I love you you. And you know what she did? She gave me the biggest hug that she could ever give me. And let me tell you what happened immediately after. She went right from a hug and threw her hand in the air and said, he's a good, good father. (laughs) Let me tell you something. You could worship him in the next moment if you would just let him look you in the eyes and tell you how much he loves you doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter where you've gone, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Romans chapter 8 says this, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? bring any charge against those whom God has chosen. It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who is raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, or danger or sword as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Would you stand with me? For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, including your shame, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. With those who are going to pray with folks, would you please come down here? We're just gonna spend just a few moments longer. Let me encourage you this morning. The good news of Jesus is that it's for everyone. Maybe you're sitting here and you're wondering, why have I been so distant? Where's my relationship been with you? This, this, this Jesus that, you, that you've known, that you've proclaimed. And Jesus is saying, I am right here. 
All you have to do is access me. Come today and allow him to fill the gap. Allow him to fill the distance and it will change your life. It's the good news. It's the gospel. Let's pray.